Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And as always, it is a pleasure to come your way on uh, Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And during the month of December, we have been graciously uh, given five days a week from 8 to 9 a.m. So I hope that you'll join us for uh, all, let's see, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> Doing the math, I'm showing my you got it. All nine programs. I hope that you will join us for any or all of them. When we, by the way, we also stream live during those programs at richarddugan.com. We podcast all of the programs at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many, many other locations. Too numerous to mention here on the program. We're also on YouTube, where you can watch these conversations. And I hope you will subscribe. At the very least, uh, click notification so that when I post a new conversation, you'll know that it's there and uh, you can take a listen and also get to know the guest, my guest, uh, by watching the uh, the videos. We also ask that if you can support the work that we are doing financially, we would be gratefully appreciative. We have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. When they ask you for uh, an email address to whom you're sending, richard at richarddugan.com. Quite simple, richard at richarddugan.com. And finally, uh, we also ask you to participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s where we ask you to take some time by yourself, quiet place, and go within to that quiet, peaceful, calm space that, as I've mentioned before, no one else can get to, okay? And listen to that still, small voice of encouragement, of insight. Uh, I've got several voices, not not schizophrenic folks, but I've got several voices that I am... Uh, receiving one is my eldest sister who passed a year ago, a year and a half ago. I get impressions from my father who passed this past March. And I laugh when I think about my best friend, Doug. Uh, 53 years we knew each other. And uh, the reason I laugh, because we had so much fun together as we were growing up. Uh, I can't help but laugh. And um, I'm sad that he's gone. But I'm happy that I have those kinds of memories, and um, I'm hoping that you can think about your loved ones who have passed on, your friends, your acquaintances, uh, in that context as well. Think of the good stuff. Think of the good stuff. Today's program, I think you're going to enjoy. It's going to be very interesting as we move into uh, our program with our very special guest, Jean Collins. She's an award-winning interior designer. She left the corporate world, how dare she, to, uh, uh, she left it behind to find her true self through design and interior reflection. And she has uh, a wonderful new book that she is uh, going to share her insights from with us. And that is uh, a book entitled, I have it right here in my hands, Two Feet In Lessons from an all-in life. Jean, welcome to the program. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much, Richard, for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. This is uh, uh, something we talk about all the time as we were talking, uh, as we were uh, um, uh, mentioning at the front end of the program here about 
you're saying bye-bye to the corporate world and so forth. I'm guessing that interior design, as you have found out, as you have found out, was not necessarily your life's purpose. Uh, well, so interior design is the second part. And mm-hmm. um, so it, my takeaway on it is it's a journey, right? Mm-hmm. And I think right. there's no end destination to where we're going. And your purpose could be different things at different times. Mm-hmm. And so for me, my reason to stay in corporate America for 22 years um, served a purpose. I'm a single mom and I live in a very expensive town and have been able to provide for my daughter and do lots of things. And it also helped me grow as a person and I learned lots of skills. And, you know, being a vice president in a corporate environment teaches you a lot. And so that job served its purpose um, mm-hmm. until it didn't anymore. And then it was, <laughs> and then it was, then it was time. Um, you know, and in full transparency, I was let go. And, um, but that was a, I turned that into a good thing and it was a good thing. It was a good thing for them and a good thing for me. And sometimes you're not ready to cut loose, but um, sometimes when you're forced to, that's the best way to go about it. And so when I did that, I decided I really didn't want that life anymore. And that life wasn't actually serving my purpose and wasn't giving back to me and was actually draining me mentally and physically. And I was exhausted and I wasn't happy to be honest. And I had to really think about that. Um, so I had to figure out what next, you know, I was about to turn 50 and um, it's like, okay, what, what is going to make me feel good? What am I going to be excited about doing when I wake up every morning? And what am I going to be happy about dedicating all the time that we dedicate to work to? What was I going to do? And so I had to spend some time figuring out what was that purpose. Um, and as a result of that, I decided that interior design was the next step for me. Um, and I started my own firm and um, that was three and a half years ago. And then as part of that journey, I also found that part of my purpose, quite honestly, was to write my memoir, which is the story of my life and the lessons that I've learned throughout my life. Because I think that there's a lot in there that people can relate to at various ages and stages. And I cover every subject there is from romance to jobs to parenting to mental health, physical health, exercise, food. I cover a lot of the things that I've learned. And I decided, you know what, if I can give back and to help people through my story feel better about themselves and make maybe some changes to their own lives that make them feel better, um, then that is absolutely part of my purpose and part of why I'm here. Well, uh, I am not going to be stupid enough to ask how old you are, but I know you're over 50 because <laughs> you made that reference. I am, uh, yeah. But I will also tell you that um, I've always uh, been a little critical of people in their 20s or 30s who want to write their memoirs. And I'm thinking, <laughs> wait a minute. How much life have you really lived or are you planning on coming out with volumes two and three as you get older, (laughs) which is entirely possible, you know, I'm not, you know, Uh, but this is a memoir. I should, as you mentioned, uh, this is a memoir, two feet in lessons from an all in life. Now, I think I know what you mean by two feet in, but I'm, I'm thinking that if I'm wrong, you better explain it to us. So to what I realized when I was writing this book um, was that there is something that is a little bit unique in me and how I have dealt with the conflict and the challenges in my life. 
Um, and that is that when I make a decision, I go two feet in. And whether that decision is to get divorced, um, to buy a house, to change careers and start a business, I had no business, quite honestly, deciding I was going to start my own interior design firm. What did I know about that? I'd never been an interior designer. Um, but uh, same thing with writing. Like, who am mm-hmm. I to say I'm going to write a book? Um, but when I decided that I was going to, I was all in. I am all in in doing that. And so I'm very focused on that. And I think a lot of times people struggle with pivotal points in their lives and with change because in their mind, they let their mind kind of talk them out of it. And all the self-talk and the doubt that you can have um, prevents people from moving forward. And so part of writing my story was to talk about what I did to help me move forward and how Mm -hmm. I did those things. And it did, it never came out exactly as I thought it would when I would make these large life-changing decisions. Mm -hmm. The path is never exactly what you think it's going to be, but in sharing my path, um, I've helped other people, you know, be like, oh, wow, I can relate to that. And, oh, wow, you did that. So maybe I could too, or this is how you did that, or this is the resources you use. This is how you stepped out. This is how you made yourself a priority in your own life. And by reading my story or listening to my audiobook and listening to me talk about my story, I can help people understand, you know, this is how I've lived life. I've lived life two feet in. And as a result, I have an incredible life that I'm very proud of and very happy with. Um, and it doesn't mean it's perfect. It's not all sunshine and roses. But um, giving people permission sometimes to um, make choice for themselves. And that is really hard. A lot of people struggle with giving themselves permission to make themselves a priority and to make some of those changes in life. And so I'm hoping through my story, I can help them see that they can do that. You can make yourself a priority and you can be two feet in with your choices and just start small if you want. But um, it's kind of a way of living and also a huge mindset. Yeah, and you can still make baby steps two feet in. You can still take baby steps two feet in. Baby steps all the way, 100%. Yep. And sometimes you'll take a step back or two and that's normal. I do too. Um, But it's, you know, making some choices and making a commitment to yourself and then committing to that and and really sticking to it and not letting yourself talk yourself out of it. One of the interesting things uh, as I've been listening to you here sharing is the fact that, and and I, I, you probably have to give us a little uh, history here on yourself that you had that, attitude that perspective that you know if i'm going to do this i'm going i'm going all the way or uh, to coin a phrase two feet in (laughs) um there's another phrase that i use and i used it back in 2006 when my wife and i ended up uh selling our home and moving to santa barbara Uh, and that was my wife was scared because we both i had lost my job due to a sale And she had quit her job due to hostile work environment. And we're sitting there watching TV. She comes over. She says, I feel I'm scared. I feel like we're on a precipice. I mean, neither of us are working and so on and so forth. And, of course, I'm just sitting there calmly, no fear whatsoever. And I said, well, you know, I've been interviewing for a long time up to that point anyway. And I said, you know, of all of the interviews I've done, the personal growth programs I've been through, the books I've read and the people I've talked with, uh, there are only two things that we can do. Number one, and these are in reverse. They're, they're, they seem to be in the wrong order, but they're correct in the order they're in. Right. You jump yep. and then you trust. Right. A hundred percent. And that sounds to me like 
what you did. And I'm curious, in many of these major, let alone minor decisions that you made, that you jumped in two feet, um, was there uh, was there a point in time where you did it so many times there was no more fear? No, there's always fear. Um, you know, to be honest, there is, there's always yeah, fear. Yeah. There is, there's always fear, but especially because it doesn't work out the way you think it will, you know? And so when that happens, there's always a, a moment in time where you're like, Oh no, what did I do? Did I do the right thing? But it's about, um, like you said, trust. And so I write in my book a lot about, you know, really trusting that the universe has your back, you know, and there are books out about that, right? Called the universe has your back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, and honestly, but that's really it. And so I think it's learning how to get your mindset into a different place. And so for me, I make a decision and I, and I just move forward and I plow full steam ahead and I'm very type A and I'm okay. How are we going to do this? Right. And part of that is when the self-doubt comes in, um, I will journal a lot about all of the times that I had that doubt and how it did actually work out and how the universe actually did provide. And whether it's a big thing or a little thing, it's the ability to remind myself that it always does work out. It always is okay. And if I don't become my biggest advocate, no one else will do that for me first. And so if I start making myself a priority and I start becoming my biggest advocate, and then I can see how by doing that, things did work out. Not always is the way, not the way I thought they would, but they do always work out. And so I think by doing that, it helps with the fear because I kind of mm. talk myself back out of it. And sometimes I have to journal about it. And, you know, sometimes it takes more than once, but um, I'm able to at least have the skill set, which is part of what I want to share in my book is, you know, mm. I've, like you, I've read a lot. I've listened to a lot. I've tried a lot. Um, lots of mindset, lots of abundance, lots of laws of attraction, right? And there's so much great stuff out there. And so what I share in my book is kind of, you know, what has worked for me out of that? And, yeah. you know, and how do you get back into that? But there's, you know, I would be lying if I said there wasn't um, fear. There is fear. And also sometimes there's fear because your social circle and your support network doesn't always support what you're doing. Yeah. And so that can create a lot of fear because those are people that you trust and you love and you feel like they have your best interests in heart. And then if they're questioning your decisions or what you want to do or your path, um, that's hard. Like that takes some serious confidence to stand up to that. So there's always yeah. fear, you know. Jean Collins, my guest, and we're talking about her latest work, her memoir, uh, which is Two Feet In Lessons from an All-In Life. And uh, you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And you have brought up something very interesting, Jean. Jean Collins, my guest here on the program uh, with the book title of uh, Two Feet In. And uh, I am I'm curious um, as to uh, you, you made the reference to trusting the universe. And in my example, obviously, I, I, and I had, interestingly enough, in that decision back in 2006, there was no fear in me. I had, I had no fear whatsoever at that, at that moment. And, um, I don't know why. I just didn't. Maybe it was partly because I feel that it's sort of my responsibility to kind of stay calm. 
cool and collected, especially if other people around me are freaking out <laughs> to, to sort of be the voice, uh, maybe hopefully the voice of reason, uh, or at least uh, the voice of, uh, uh, of um, stability, if you will, to, to calm the fears and so forth saying, Hey, hang on, hang on. You know, r- uh, what do we need right this minute? And that's a, something I'm curious about too, is, is, uh, you 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 talk also about mindfulness. I mean, many different elements. There are seven pillars that you talk about in your book, and um, I know that a lot of people are very much into mindfulness and being in the present moment. And to that end, uh, with my example, uh, I take a look and I go, "Okay, we're sitting on the couch, we're watching TV. What do we?" really need right now at this moment right nothing right you know sure. okay maybe in the past we 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 lost our jobs we don't have those anymore but that's in the right. past yeah the future no idea what's going to happen next and that doesn't mean we won't make a plan and do this that or the other thing but in this moment right here right now how important is it and how do you encourage people to shift out of the past and future so that they can calm themselves and begin to, I don't know, um, maybe recenter and then maybe even learn how, if they never did learn how to trust the universe. Sure. Talk to us a little bit about uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I do lots of different things in order to accomplish that. Um, it's things as simple as journaling, you know, I never journaled until I got older. Um, but journaling is very powerful because it allows you to walk through, through writing. It allows you to sort of process what you're thinking about and what your fears are. And I strongly encourage people to just write as if you're brainstorming about things and it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it's not a book, you know, and so just Mm -hmm. write, write about what you're thinking about, write about what you're afraid about. And sometimes by writing about it and just getting it out. Um, it helps you process how you think about those things. So I found journaling very helpful. Meditation, I never meditated before. I tried so many times in my <laughs> 30s and was so unsuccessful at it. Um, but I finally did figure out how to do it. Um, and, and I'm not great at it because my mind is constantly moving and running. It's like a rat, right? A constantly moving around the wheel. Um but I finally found a way to go about doing it that worked for me. And what I did is I committed that I was going to do it every day for 30 days. And I started in January and I was like, every day for 30 days, I'm going to do this because I want to, first of all, make myself a priority and just spend a little quiet downtime where my mind turns off. And I was like, you know, I can learn to do anything, right? And so I encourage people, give it a try and don't give up. And I only do it for 15 minutes. And sometimes it's horrible. Sometimes I'm sleeping. Sometimes it ends and I'm like, I focus nothing on my breathing and my mind just ran around on my to-do list. But other times <laughs> I'm really good at it. And and I'm like, okay, it's practice. So, you know, I journal, I mind, I exercise, I exercise every day. Um, and even if it's just 20 minutes, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, that is so good for the brain and it's good for your body and it makes you feel good. And the ironic thing about all these things that I talk about is they are all things that in, that encompass making time for you. 
as opposed to time for others. And so it's all about looking inward. And so the more time you can spend on the inward, if you can focus on the inward and balance the inward, then the outward will become more balanced as well. So um, are you are you saying that for a Gene Collins it's all about you? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? It's not all about me. Oh my goodness. People say I'm like the most giving person and that I give and give and give and I don't ask for help with anything and I don't. Um, so it's not. It's about knowing how to make yourself a priority because, you know, so this is both women and men. We all work a lot. The United States is a culture where we work all the time and everything is expected of everybody and people are parents and their spouses and they work and, oh, you need to volunteer and, oh, you need to do all these other things in order to be a whole human being here. Um, so it's learning when to say no to some of those things so that you can have time to go work out and then not feel guilty about that because it is really important to give your mind and your body a pause. Um, it's important to read. And like in, in my interior design business, whenever I start working with clients, I always say, where do you go to pause? Where does your brain pause? Where do you go where there's a do not disturb sign that is imagined outside? Where are you sitting to have that few moments with your coffee or your tea or with your glass of wine where your brain just pauses and life pauses? Because that, if you can learn to do that, then that helps people become more present by figuring out how to find the time to just pause and stop in life. And then I encourage people, you know, pause and figure out what you're grateful for. Um, and mm. it can be as simple as I woke up today and you know what, like it just changes your mindset of really thinking about, Oh, wow. You know what? I can walk. Okay. Oh, cool. <laughs> you know, I have heat. I have, you know, if you're struggling to find what you're grateful for, it, it, it's not that hard if you have a roof over your head and you have food and you are healthy. Um, and then I encourage people, you know, take it one step further, the people that are in your life, the things that you're doing to help yourself become better and to grow and to become more centered. And I think when people take a pause and sort of pat themselves on the back for the work and the accomplishments that they are doing and the things that they're grateful for, it helps them learn how to be more centered and at peace and calmer. So when there's chaos, they can take five minutes and breathe and become back in the present and not get wrapped up in the chaos of what's happening in life. There are certain practices. Uh, you mentioned one in particular that I had an interview has to have been 10 or 12 years ago on the practice of tapping, which is ah, only one of love the, tapping. Yeah. Uh, one of the many modalities that are available to us. And of course that you mentioned in your book, but I want to talk more, uh, and I just mentioned that because you have different things that uh, uh, people can do to support themselves, to make themselves a priority. But you've already mentioned something I would love for you to expound on further and why it's important. And that is that aspect of gratitude, being grateful for being able to breathe in a breath of air, let alone, of course, as you mentioned, waking up. What Have you done any research, and I'm sure there's research out there on this, in regards to how that affects the body, mind, soul, and spirit when one is grateful? What What have you, what I maybe better put it this way, what are your experiences? Right. And there is, there's so much research about being grateful, and there are books written about the importance of that. 
Um, and there are also lots of books written about and people who study doctors who studied the fact that if you start your morning that way, it starts your mindset in a form of positivity and of presence. And um, by being grateful, I think people are amazed if you sit down. So I actually sit down and I write um, three things I'm grateful for every morning, whether I write it on a card in my office or I write it in a journal. Um if you really do that every morning, there is a connection between that and between like I can feel my my tension just lower and I can feel my heart rate slow down mm. and it helps center me and it helps me realize that, yeah, OK, I might be stressed about this or whatever or upset about something that someone did to me or whatever. But it brings us back to a point of being grateful and the more grateful you are for the things that happen in your life. It is amazing how you attract more things like that into your life. And so, you know, that goes the law of attraction, gazillions of books written about that, right? Mm -hmm. But it is true. The more you focus on the positive things that are happening in your life, the more you attract the positive. So it's, you are what you think. And that is talked about a lot also. And it is true. You are what you think. And so if your brain is in a negative space all day long, you're not going to attract the positive. You're just not. And your body will be stressed and your body will react to that stress and your heart will and your body physically will and your mental state will. And so we need to take time out to be grateful. And I think with the holidays coming, it's such a great time for people to remember kindness also, because I think kindness can give back to people. And it's amazing how just opening the door for someone saying hi. <laughs> oh, know? yeah. I live outside of New York City. No one looks at anybody. No one talks to anybody. Oh. It's like we're all like little robots, right? It's like, wait, just pause for a moment and, and say hi. And someone spoke to me in line at, at the bagel place the other day when I was there for my daughter. And it was so odd because I'm like, oh, wow, no one ever, no one ever does that. But yeah. it was such a nice way to start the day. You know, oh, yeah. The, guy, yeah. the guy was like, how are you today? I was like, oh, my goodness. Wow. And I just thought, wow, at this time of year, it's a really good time to remember kindness to other yeah. people. And 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 when you give back like that in something so simple, mm -hmm. it's amazing to see how it makes you feel. And you you walk away and you're like, oh, I'm smiling more. I might be standing up a little bit straighter. I might be a little bit happier. I might be a little bit calmer. I might be more centered and more balanced. And yeah. it's just a little bit of self-awareness for people because um, we're so busy. It's like learn to be just a little bit more self-aware about where we are in the present space and how you can transfer that. Gene Collins, my guest, Two Feet In is the book. By the way, the website uh, will be linked, so you won't have to remember this per se, but it is to the, the, the T-W-O dash feet, F-E-E-T dash I-N dot com. That's Two Feet In and a dash between each of uh, the words there. As I said, we will be linked to that website as well. And, of course, I know you're all over social media uh, promoting uh, your work as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And I I have to tell you how, how excited I am to have you here on the program to talk about all of this uh, from the perspective of someone who has and I put it this way, who has had many challenges. I mean, I myself have been through uh, one divorce. And when that was over, I said, I will never, ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> it went on for a year. Uh, and, um, and, and, um, well, no, it didn't go on for a year. It actually only went on for uh, about eight months. 
Um, it felt like a year, but anyway, um, uh, I remember going into visit to, to, to present my position at the very beginning of the process and saying, this is what I want. And this is what I'm willing to give or give up. And of course, oh, that'll never happen. Not a, well, what ended up happening was the divorce decree shows exactly what I was asking <laughs> for, but I was now $3,600 in the hole. Right, right. Sure. But you know what? It was, it was a great lesson. It was a, a, a wonderful opportunity, uh, to, I have to, and I'm going to put it in the context that you have, take care of myself, make myself priority. My bottom line was throughout the entire process, I just want out and I just want it over. And that's not to say that I would give my right arm, you know, right. to of end course. it. But right. I just reason. want, I just want, I wanted it done. This is ridiculous. Why is, we had no real, the only asset we had was the house and she was getting it anyway. Right. Anyway, um, we face all kinds of challenges. That's the way I like to put it. They're challenges. They're not problems. They're not necessarily obstacles, although they might feel like obstacles. When you hit that wall, that challenge, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? Now that you've written the memoir, you've got those seven pillars, which I'd love for us to go over here in a few minutes. Um, what, what's the first thing you do? The first thing I uh, honestly, the first thing I do is I, I sit down and I journal and then I meditate to try to change how I feel about it because, um, you know, I am human and fear does exist when these challenges come. And what I've realized is that the fear isn't of the challenge. The fear is of the process. And, and how am I going to get to the other side when I don't know what the other side even is or I don't know what the other side even looks like? And so the fear is really the fear of the unknown and the fear of the process. So I will spend time journaling about how I feel about that and meditating about how I feel about that and then also starting to take a, a look and thinking about who can I tap into that can maybe help me with this process? Because we don't have to know all the answers and we don't have to do everything alone and we should reach out. Um, and so I will spend time kind of thinking about that. And when I really spend time in that space, just like brainstorming about, you know, problem solution, even though it might not be a problem, um, it's amazing what I can come up with when I actually just sit down and free flow it. And then when I realize like, oh, I, you know, I should call, you know, XYZ person and, and see if maybe they might know someone, you know, and you have to be okay with the no that you're going to get from that person because they might not be willing to help you or might not be able to help you, but it's starting the process because that I find is what's so scary is the process. You know, I got caught in my emotions. Uh, by the way, I was served. I did not know that a divorce was, le was legally termed a lawsuit. I did not know that. Okay. <laughs> oh, you didn't know you needed a lawyer? <laughs> I've been sued. I, uh, I was served on May 1st, which has yeah. the connotation of May Day. Okay. Right. Stress. Right. Sure. And I was actually able to make a joke that day saying, oh, my gosh, this gives a whole new meaning to the word, the phrase May Day. Um, but I was stuck in my emotions for the entire month of May. Right. And it wasn't until June 1st that suddenly my intellect clicked in and I'm going, wait a minute, 
there are two individuals involved here and we are both responsible. Okay. And we are, uh, you know, it's not just me. I'm not the only one who has to take responsibility and do this, that. So does she, uh, because we're the ones that made the choices that have brought us. Yeah, Yeah. we created this. Yep. Yep. And so once I got out of my fear, I wish it hadn't taken a month, but it, it took what it took. Once I got out of my fear, I was able to stand up and say, hold it. Um, and I guess the best example of that was the deposition I went through. Now, my wife and I had no kids. As I said, with the only asset we had was a house. And my attorney could not figure out for the life of her why I was being deposed. <laughs> I mean, it's just it, right. It was, if she's getting the one asset, what's left? What's there to talk about? Exactly. So, so anyway, she gave me some great advice uh, as we went into the deposition. She says, first of all, you can't plead the fifth. You have to answer the questions. However, and this was the greatest advice ever. Uh, you can, as with the, he's asking questions. It's funny too because my wife had a male attorney and I had a female attorney. She says, you can say, I'm sorry, could you repeat the question? Uh, I'm sorry, could you be more specific? In other words, things of this nature, just to drag it out. Right. Of course, not realizing that it also extended the length of time that I was going to have to pay for it. You have to pay your lawyer, (laughs) of course. (laughs) When we were done, when we were done, my attorney and I are walking out to the cars and she says, I know you feel terrible. You feel like dirt. You need a shower. But I want you to know, I have never seen anybody cause another attorney to twist in the way it twist in the wind the way you did right and i took some solace in that that um i learned the rules of the game and i played the game to her attorney's consternation sure but i answered all the questions truthfully anyway what are let's let's talk here as we continue uh first of all we're talking with uh, jean collins and her book is called Two Feet In. We hope that you'll get a copy. We'll be linked to her website, which is twofeetin.com. And again, that's uh, hyphens between each of the words, two hyphen feet hyphen in dot uh, com. Uh, as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. Gene, I want to ask you, author of uh, Two Feet In, what are the seven pillars that you write about in your memoir? Sure. So the seven pillars, just to list the seven pillars, um, the first one is mindset and mindfulness, right? It all starts with our heads. We're only as good as what's going on up there, right? Mm -hmm. Second one is meditation, which you've talked about how I've learned to really find the value in meditation, even if it's only for 10 minutes. Very great. Manifestation and really learning and reading and understanding how you can create what you want. And I think that's a really important lesson for people is to learn how what they think about is what you can create. So if you think about negative things, that will be what you create. So learning about manifestation, and it can be as simple as just read a book so you understand what it is, and then figuring out different ways to practice it in small baby steps in your life. Um, Journaling. I am a huge proponent of journaling. I just saw the new update for um, iPhones, the latest update, 17.2, actually has a journaling app, believe it or not, uh, which makes journaling very trendy, even though I'm a big fan of doing it the old way, Mm -hmm. writing, um, and my handwriting is completely illegible, but that doesn't matter. It's the act of of brainstorming and getting it down. Um, Exercise and healthy eating. I said before, I work out every day. 
Um, and I also am a vegetarian and, um, spend a lot of time cooking and, um, really paying attention and caring about what I put into my body. We get one body. This is the only one we have. And, um, for people to take a little time and understand, you know, how do you feel after you eat that big bowl of pasta? Like no one loves pasta more than me. I love it. Um, (laughs) but how does your body react and how do you feel? And learning to understand when you eat different things, your body responds in different ways and you have different energy and you might be more grumpy and you might be more short and you might not have as much patience and tolerance. And so it's recognizing how things like sugar and carbs and processed foods, um, inflammatory foods, it's understanding how those foods, you know, can impact you. Um, so I, that I'm a huge proponent of and encourage people all the time to really focus on healthy eating. The sixth one, which is actually my second to favorite, even though it's second to last, um, is life work balance. So when I lost my job right before I turned 50, um, I really decided that, you know, we always talk about work life balance and that's everywhere. Everyone who talks about life and mindset and, you know, what you, what you're doing, everybody says it's work life balance. And I was like, why is it work life balance? Who decided that? Just like who decided the weekend's only two days long. So, you know, let's change that. And I changed my mindset and I put life first. And so whenever I write it, life comes before work. And I always speak that way, that life comes first. And when you start to make decisions in your life based on that mindset, it's amazing how you make different choices because we need to work. We need to work in order to live, but it needs to be in that sense. Like the life part has to come first. Do you like what you're doing? How do you feel about what you're doing? What is your day like? And does your day while you work allow for number seven, which is making you a priority? And that's not saying you need to be selfish and be rude and mean to everybody else. Mm-hmm. They just not that at all. Making you a priority is really about what are you doing to take care of you so that you can be your best self and you can be living your best life and you can be in the right mindset. You can be positive. You can have a good mindset. You can be giving back to other people and that then gives back to you. And so what are you doing to make yourself a priority and to stand up and say, you know what, I matter. And let me have a little self-confidence that I matter. And I don't necessarily have to do some of the things that I am doing or be in situations that I'm in because I do matter. I'm here once. I matter. Um, and that's not being selfish. It's That's not saying that no one else in life matters. But if you don't look inward for you and mm-hmm. make yourself a priority for some of these other pillars above it by making time for these things, no one else is going to. And it's such a huge mindset shift. Um, that I, I mean, I know people who have made that shift and done things where they were like, I could never do that. I could never do that. And I'm like, but when are you going to make yourself a priority? (laughs) Because what are you going to wait till you're 90? Like, when are you going to do that? And then seeing people make that shift, it is so empowering and makes me so grateful to see when people do make that shift, how much their lives change. Mm. So those are the seven pillars. And you know what? And you can focus on one, all seven baby steps for some of them. Mm-hmm. You know, exercise could be just a walk around the block during lunch. It doesn't matter. Um, journaling and meditation. It could be just get up 15 minutes earlier one day, you know, and see what it feels like to get up earlier and give yourself 15 minutes in the morning before you face life, before you get on your phone, before you deal with your children, before you get ready for work, whatever it is, give yourself 15 minutes and get up 15 minutes earlier and Mm -hmm. see how you feel about your morning. And I think people will be really surprised that it does. It really makes a difference in how you feel. You know, and, and the thought that flashed through my mind, as you said, those final words there was the the statistics show that the one day of the week where there are more 
deaths and or hospitalizations on the part of those who are heading for work is Monday. It's going to say, I'm sure it's Monday. Yeah. And um, so if, if folks, if you were to follow Gene's advice, Gene Collins, author of Two Feet In, um, you might actually avoid that whole thing. Uh, I know that I've been very fortunate in my life. My father, uh, my late father, he gave me some some wonderful advice many years ago. Uh, and I think I must I must have been in my mid late 20s or something like that, married uh, and married to my first wife. And <clears throat> he said, Richard. Find a job that you love doing because you're going to be doing it a long time. And then he added, don't get stuck like me. Well, my father didn't get stuck because in the 70s, he went back to junior college and he got his computer programming degree. And then, of course, back then they were still using punch cards and fan fold paper. Sure. Um, and somehow, some way, whether I was born under a lucky star, had the right astrological um, signs and, and the planets in the right order, I don't know what, but... I managed to find uh, th th there are there are two careers that I've had in my life. The first one was five years long, starting at the age of twelve as a paper boy. Ah, the second one is the second one is the one I'm in now. Now, knowing what I know about how papers were delivered back when I was twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, and so forth, if there was a job that I would ever go back to, if it were like it was, I would go back to delivering newspapers because wow. I was Why? my, I was my own boss <laughs> for the most part had my own hours, but I got to meet and have conversations with uh, all kinds of incredible, incredible people. Well, I may That's not be delivering now. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, I'm right? just not, I'm not delivering any papers, right. but I am still meeting incredible folks such as yourself, Gene Collins, who is the author of Two Feet In here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, and we're here talking about not just the seven pillars that you just uh, you just ran through for us, and I thank you for doing that, uh, but, but I think that one thing I'd like to, con you know, sort of dovetail off of and, and have, have us expound a little bit more on is... This aspect of of making oneself a, a priority, and again, when we talk about that, uh, self, small s, priority, small p, but how important that is. I mean, I've been through maybe in the last ten years uh, some challenges where I have a network, and this is something I'd like to talk about in the in this regard. I have a network of people who knew or know exactly what I'm dealing with. They've been through it or they know people who've been through it and so on and so forth. And they say, Richard, make sure you take care of yourself and do things that make you happy. And my mother reinforced that by saying to me, Richard, make sure that whatever you're doing you're doing because you want to, and it makes you happy. You have a right to be happy. Plus, it's in the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that. And 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 
talk about not only the network. I, I firmly believe that people listening should develop a network of people around them. It doesn't have to be huge. Okay. Two or three or four people that, you know, you can count on and that they can count on you as well when, when things get, get rough. But also this, this whole aspect of non narcissistically, okay, making yourself a priority. Yeah. And, and a lot of people struggle with that because they're like, well, you know, then that means I'm selfish if I'm making myself a priority. But I think it's about, Having a mindset that, like you said, you have a right to be happy and you do, you have a right to enjoy your life. You have a right to feel good. You have a right to feel purposeful while you're here. And it's, um, I talk a lot about some of the challenges that people have that I talk about in my book and women in, in particular is giving yourself permission to do that. And giving yourself permission because mm-hmm. for whatever reason, along the path for people as they've been growing up, it could be they it doesn't matter what age they are, they might feel like, well, yeah, okay, I need to be happy, but I also need to do X, Y, Z. I need to make sure I provide for my child. I need to make sure I'm there for my spouse, whatever it is, right? I need to volunteer. I need to be on the PTA. It's like it's never ending, right? Um, but I think giving yourself permission is similar to what you said about having a right, giving yourself permission, because if you don't take care of yourself first, you're not going to have enough to give back to take care of others. And so you, it has to start with you. Everything has to start with you. And how do you feel? And if people really think about it for a minute, it's like, oh, wow, you know what? When I'm happy, the energy in my house is very different than when I'm not happy. And so you're giving back to the people in your household by taking the time to make sure your energy is high. So you are making them a priority. It's just in a different way because they are benefiting from you being in a happier space. Mm-hmm. For example, my daughter will say, you are so much nicer now, now that you have, now that you're not in corporate America, you just are nicer. And I'm like, of course I'm nicer. I have so much less stress. And I don't mean to transfer that stress onto my daughter, but it does because it makes the energy in my home very stressful and very anxious, no matter what's going on. And she could walk in the room and I could bite her head off for no particular reason, just because I'm stressed and I have a lot to do and I'm busy and, you know, she wants something that I don't have the time to deal with her. And so I'm giving while I'm giving to me because I've made my life much less stressful because I've made myself a priority. I am then also giving to her because Mm -hmm. now her life environment is so much better. And I am teaching her the importance of that and the importance of your energy and your mindset and how you can create the things that you want and you can attract the people and the network into your life that you need. And it's interesting to see my daughter who's 17 going through experiences right now. And we were just talking about the network and, you know, my daughter wants to be a um, professional dancer on Broadway and which is a very different path for a 17 year old. And just the other day we were talking about the people who have come into her life in the last year and a half Mm -hmm. who have helped her to get to where she wants to go. And we didn't even know what that path looked like. But I said, you know, you created that. You manifested those people coming into your life because of the network, because of the questions that you asked, because of the people you went out and had coffee with, because of the kindness that you gave to others. You actually manifested the people and the network into your path that have helped you 
learn how to sing that have helped you understand the right place for you based on what you want to do. And look at that. You got in, like you got in where you wanted to get in and you auditioned well, and you're proud of yourself. And I'm like, you need to take a step back and remind yourself that you created that network because you decided that you wanted a path that was different than everybody else. And that's okay. And you gave yourself permission to take a different path and to take a huge risk and to try something very different. And yet you dove all in two feet in and look at what happened. And my daughter's 17. So I'm like, anyone can do this stuff. You know, it's not, it's, it's not impossible. Anyone at any age can start making changes to their lives. And you mentioned the network, you know, I think the other thing people need to understand, and you might've seen this in your life too, your people come into your life, just like jobs and other situations at a time for a purpose. And they might leave your life at a time. And that's okay because other people will come into your life that are there for what you need at that time. If you are open to receiving them and you're aware of what you need. So when you say, you talk about like surrounding yourself with your network of your support network, my support network when I worked in corporate America was very different than my support network is now, now that I'm an entrepreneur and a small business owner and an author. My network is different and my network is about people who understand mindset, who understand owning a small business and what it's like to be your own boss, you know, like that comes with a whole lot of stress and pressure. And so my support network has evolved and has changed a little bit, but that's okay because they're there because I'm in a different space and I need a different type of support than I did before. Yeah. The network uh, I have found is so important. And there's another element to that. And you, you you sort of alluded to it in terms of people will come into your life, into your network for a period of time and uh, provide you with certain things that uh, you might need at that moment. And then they'll drift away. And that then ha- you have to make sure that that's OK. You know, I, I you know, we, we, we become attached very easily sometimes to folks who are. Uh, have, have brought real meaning into our lives. But my my mother, uh, she did something to me over the phone when I called her once, and I was sharing with her all of the stuff that was happening. And about halfway through, she said, stop, stop. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Now, if you want to call me and ask for advice or some inspiration or guidance, Feel free to do so, uh, but I don't want to hear all this negative stuff, you know. Love it. Love her. And at first blush, I'm going, but mom, I didn't say this to her, but I'm thinking in my head, but mom, and then it hit me just as you, uh, uh, just as you uttered. Yeah, you're right, because if I continue down that path, whether it was with her or anybody else, then it's it's sort of the opposite of that whole gratitude thing we talked about earlier, that you start bringing yourself down, you're already down, you're now bringing other people down with you. And it's like, that's not, that's not, uh, number one, making yourself priority. And it's not helping your uh, network, if you will. Uh, right. and it's, it's not conducive. That energy is, is destructive. That's one of the reasons why when I see people, especially in the news who are just going off, I mean, they're just going off and they're screaming and yelling or what have you at this person, that person. It's their fault. And they start name calling. And I just sit there going, how is that helping? Well, in terms of being negative, like 
the conversation I had with my mother. How is that helping me? It's certainly not helping her. And then she utters, I don't want to hear it. That's how she is now helping herself. Tell us about the importance of of this aspect of, I don't know if I want to say being positive versus negative, but, you know, you, you get the gist of, of where I'm going. Right. I mean, so so it's interesting you were telling the story about your mother not being willing to listen to you, you know, kind of complain and go on and on. Um, so when I was in corporate America, I actually started a 24-hour rule. Um, and I would say to myself and to my team, you can complain to me for 24 hours and, and that's okay. And I will listen and you can vent and we can try to problem solve, but after 24 hours, it's over and, and it's done because whatever's happened that we're complaining about or that we're upset about, or that someone did that bothers us, you have to be able to move on because if we spend any more than 24 hours talking about this thing, that's very negative and bothering us we will just create more negativity and that does not work. So I do that for myself. I do it for my daughter. I do it with my friends um, and I do it with my family. And I think what I've found by doing that is we do need to vent. We need, we need permission to vent. It's okay. Stuff happens. Mm -hmm. We're upset. We are angry. People do things that make us angry. It's good to express those emotions and get them out and not let them sit and stir and fester. And it's good to learn how to process that, but don't dwell in that. And one of the other things that I do write about in my book is the four to one rule. Um, and so I talk in my book about understanding the people that are in your life and in your network and are they positive or are they negative? And I had a career, a business career coach who made us go through an exercise and we had to write down on a piece of paper, all of the people that we interacted with that were in our lives and were they positive or negative? And how do we feel about them? And when you really think about the people that might have more negative energy or are always complaining every time you talk to them, her rule of thumb was for every hour that you spend with that negative person, you need to spend four hours with a positive person to balance your energy back out. Because not only is that hour draining on you, it's how you leave that hour or how you walk away from that hour and the negative energy that you are then now projecting on everybody else in your life in addition to yourself. And it was so eye-opening to think about it like that. And I since have, I do make different choices and I make different choices and say, you know what? I don't have to call that person out of obligation because all they're going to do is complain to me about their life and they're not doing anything about their life. They just want to complain. And that mm. doesn't help me. That's not good. That's not moving me in the direction of where I want to be. And that doesn't mean I'm not supportive of them. I am, but I need them to find a way to use me as a friend in a more positive light. And I am happy to help them, but it needs to be in a positive light because the negative light brings me down. And then I, in turn, bring the energy of my household down, everyone I interact with down. I am then now complaining to other people about that person. So when you really yeah. think about it that way, it's amazing. So that's why I, I stick to the complaint, complain for 24 hours. And then you got to figure out how to move on and really think about the people that are in your life and how are they a positive person or a negative person and put your focus. We all have limited time. If you're going to pick time to go to coffee with someone and you can only pick one person, pick a positive person off that list because you'll leave energized and excited and feeling good about yourself and feeling loved and, you know, talking about something that might be inspiring to you. So that's a choice of making yourself a priority too. And that's mm -hmm. how simple it is. Just yeah. choosing your coffee, your coffee mate as someone who's positive versus someone who's negative. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, and I have to tell you that uh, the next communication that I had with my mom following that conversation was a text. 
And I started the text out by saying, only good news, mom. Uh, <laughs> and then I shared with her uh, much of the good news that, that I had to share with her. And I've talked with her since, since then. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that just, and I have a friend here uh, in Santa Barbara that uh, we get together Usually it's on a Friday morning prior to my first program at 10 a.m. We'll get together around 8.30 or so, and we'll meet over at the Starbucks. And uh, along our main uh, main street called State Street, they've got some benches and chairs and things like this. And so we'll go sit down. And, yeah, and we'll we'll chat. We'll commiserate, so to speak, you know, and we do that once a week or so. And he just – he's the one that offered to do that. And I thought, that, that's extraordinary. I mean – I like doing it because I like walking from the station to the main street, which is about two and a half blocks. Uh, I enjoy his company. Uh, he's he's a really nice guy and very supportive. And uh, it's just it's just really cool. So, uh, you know, if you can find someone like that, folks, uh, that's that's in your circle, if you will. Maybe they're not in your circle yet. You need to put that out there. Hey, I'm looking for someone I can have a cup of coffee with for about an hour and just chat about stuff, you know, and and vent if that's what you need to do. Um, and and um, it, it'll certainly make your life uh, uh, a whole lot more richer. We are talking with Gene Collins, uh, Two Feet In. Two Feet In is the title of the book. It is uh, Lessons from an All-In Life. It is her memoir. And... Um, I would venture that you've got a whole lot of years ahead of you. So I'm going to guess that there might actually be two feet in part two somewhere down the road uh, because you're still you're still alive. It's like I told my eldest sister, my late sister, uh, once uh, we were having this conversation about uh, religion and philosophy, so forth, you know, and she was in a very, very rigid uh, construct at that time, even though she had been born and raised like the rest of us, Roman Catholic. Um, I said to her, I says, look, you know, my beliefs of yesterday are not my beliefs of today are not my beliefs of tomorrow because I'm still alive. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I'm still experiencing. Yeah. So with that being said, I'm, I'm working on a book that I've been working on for 22 years and it's not, <laughs> it's, it's not war and peace. Okay. It's yeah. a small little thing, but somebody uh, said to me not long ago, they said, don't worry about it. Okay, it'll take as long as it takes, and it will come out when it's time when to it's come out. To, right? When the universe says, "Okay, let it out, print it," right? Yes. And yes. Um, I, I appreciate the fact that uh, you have uh, the courage to talk about uh, a lot of the things that that you do, uh, both in your book and on this on this program as well. Uh, I often say to uh, that if somebody had been following my career and the interviews that I've done over the last forty four years. They could write my unauthorized uh, biography. Right. Because I, I mean, God already knows. Yeah. And, and eight plus billion people, uh, who cares if they know? And most of them don't care because they're too right. busy just living their lives and doing what they're doing. <laughs> uh, you know, so uh, I appreciate you and, and what you've done in that regard to share with us two feet under here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, and I want to thank you, Gene uh, Collins, for joining us here on the program and sharing two feet, uh, two feet in. I think I said earlier two feet under, but no, two feet in. <laughs> we're two not feet... two feet under yet. We're no, not there no, yet. No, no, no. no. Uh-uh, we're still here. And usually it's six feet, but um, uh, that all depends upon who's who's burying whom. <laughs> anyway, I thank you so much 
<laughs> and your daughter's very lucky in the in that uh, she has uh, uh, not just a mom but a friend who um, is working on herself, which I'm sure has inspired her to do the same. Even though she hasn't lived nearly as long and doesn't have quite the experience, and yet at the same time, hey, she's had a lot of incredible experiences already and could write volume one of her memoir at this point. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you. Could. She could. Thank you, Richard, so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. I do have three final questions that I ask all of my guests at the end of every program. But before I ask those questions, let me thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story. New paradigms for a new world where we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And Gene, that's one of the other amazing things, too, about choices. It may sound kind of weird, but even the choices that we made as kids has brought us here right now. And that's kind of deep. That really is. <laughs> I also uh, want to uh, let you folks know that we're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m., and during the month of December, we're here from 8 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, and streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. And then uh, let's see, what else do we have? Oh, we have a podcast of all of these programs, and it is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio. And speaking of audibles, it's available through Audible, believe it or not. All, I don't know, five, six, seven hundred interviews or more uh, over the last uh, five or so years. But we've been doing this for um, over 15, Gene are available there, and we hope that you'll check that out, as well as her book that's also on Audible, Two Feet In. We also are on YouTube, where you can watch these conversations, and I hope that you will subscribe, or at the very least, hit notification, so that when a new conversation is posted, you will be notified. And then, uh, if you can support the work that we're doing financially, it would be, I would be very grateful very grateful uh, for anything that uh, you folks can support us with, if you can. We have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. And the email address they'll ask you for, you want to give them richard at richarddugan.com. That's richard at richarddugan.com. And then finally, during this, the 2020s, the decade of perfect vision, spend some time in meditation, in whatever it takes to give yourself that prioritized time doesn't have to be long. Five minutes. One of my guests said 60 seconds. Just pause for 60 seconds. Close your eyes. Not in your car if you're driving. And uh, just, just pause and listen to that still small voice. With all of that being said, we go to our final three questions. I used to call this the lightning round, but it made it sound more like a game show and <laughs> you know, uh, but the, <laughs> the first of these three questions, though, is who is Gene Collins? Oh, I love that one. Um, I think if I had to say who is Gene Collins, I am someone who wants to give back and wants to make sure I leave the universe feeling like I had a purpose and that I impacted people in a positive way. Plus, I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm a mom, and I'm a designer, and I'm a writer. But I think, who is Gene Collins? Gene Collins is someone who wants to make a difference. Well, you may have answered my second question already, but I'll ask it anyway. What is your life's purpose? 
my life's purpose is to make people's lives better. And that could be through my interior design and making their homes better and their environments better because everything starts with home and then everything next to that starts with self. And so my memoir and everything I talk about and speak about is all about how to make yourself better. And then my design business is all about how to make your environment better. Mm. And finally, what was your best day? The day my daughter was born. I had an inkling that that's what it was. <laughs> that was. That was well, my best day. For well, sure. thank you so much for sharing with us here on the program. And um, I look forward to having you back again to talk further about uh, the work that you are doing to make a difference in the world and to help people to... Um, to find themselves. And I, I don't say that facetiously like back in the 60s. Oh, I'm not going to college, mom, dad. I'm going to travel so I can find myself. Right. Well, yeah. you don't have to go very far, folks. It's You're right there. <laughs> All inside. Exactly. So thanks, thanks again for being with us. Thanks, Richard, for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast. Love to lol. Jeanette, I'm still listening. Dad, continue to be happy because I am. Hey, Smokey, I'll see you on the other side. And to my dear friend, Zorro, aho, aho. <laughs>